0: so it's 12 times 12 times a thousand. The walls of the city, 12,000 furlongs, long, wide and high, it's a perfect square. And again, what are we seeing about this? These descriptors, are prophetic signals. They're prophetic symbolisms. They're meant to hold in place for us understandings that have existed throughout the scriptures. These understandings were initially natural understandings. They were given among and to. They were given among humans. And they reference natural things. But by now you ought to know that the scriptures operate on two levels. One is natural, the other is spiritual. If God, well, the, the, the spiritual realities are always what God intended. But he started out with the natural because when God established creation, before God established creation, God knew that man would sin and the eyes of His understanding would grow dim and as time passed and as the disobedience of man continued to be emblematic of his life on earth, that eventually it would be difficult for him to even remember anything about the nature of God. Because God so loves the world and it's not His intention that any should perish, and knowing that man would not have much of an alternative but to disobey God, unless God put brakes in His drop out of glory, out of His precipitous decline from His original state of walking with God, God would have to put brakes, stops, arrests of different kinds, otherwise all would be lost. He said that. He said that at the temple, at the Tower of Babel, he said there's nothing they won't do, won't be able to do, uh, if they continue to coalesce in this godless way they have chosen. So he scattered them, and in scattering them, he caused to remain amongst them some cultural and symbolic references to the things of God. Now God knew that in the fullness of time Christ would come and there would be a firm disclosure, an unwavering, an exact disclosure of divine standards. And in a sense, mankind would be given an opportunity to start over. That's why the kingdom of heaven is described as a little leaven uh, hidden in the dough. The kingdom is the little leaven, the message of of the nature of God and the intentions of God are what the kingdom has been configured around. So when the Spirit of God would reveal the hidden things, when the Spirit of God would unveil what the symbols meant to mankind, those who were seeking God would get the answers they were looking for and from those initial impartations they would hunger and thirst for more of the righteousness of God and God then would renew their consciences toward God. First He would invite them to come to Christ, He would draw, He would draw men unto Himself because the activities of God are not benign, they are aggressive, they are restrained only by human free will. It's a mistake to think that God's ways and God's presence are somehow benign and neglectful. No, God pursues men everywhere, calls upon them everywhere to change their mindsets. That's why He's left remnants, breadcrumbs if you like, of holy and heavenly things within everybody's culture, within all human culture. And even cultures that firmly departed from God, such as cultures that have many gods, there are stories, there are practices, there are traditions, there are customs that may be animated in the due season of God to reveal what those customs, traditions and so on. Hold by in trust for when the good news of the kingdom comes to them and the invitation to come to Christ comes to them. I mean, we see nations like India that declare itself the Hindu nation, and yet there's a remnant of believers in that nation. In fact, in the aggregate, between India and China, the largest number of believers on the earth are to be found. Now, then, you have to keep in mind, though, that those populations are enormous by comparison to Western Europe, the nations of Western Europe, and the United States. I mean, India has probably 1,400 million people whereas the United States has 300 million. Uh, China has 12 or 13 hundred million, so even even a relatively small percentage of the population would exceed the numbers, together if you combine them together, they'd exceed the numbers of believers, um, certainly in America. So God has maintained in all the nations of the earth some portion, some cultural and historic connections to the great symbols of Scripture and in the fullness of time God animates those symbols and stirs the consciences of persons when the good news comes through competent ministers of God's grace. He intends to gather people from every tribe, tongue, language and nation. Now, 12 times 12 times a thousand, 12 is the number of government. And the reference here is less to length, breadth and height of a physical structure and more to the, the domain that is the perfect domain, if you like, mm-hmm. that is under the rule of Christ. God will have gathered, this is the point, God would have gathered into Christ a complete complement of the earth it will be sufficient, it will be exact as measured by divine intentions. God is not willing that any should perish, of course, but God will not choose anyone who does not satisfy the requirements Of the golden rod or the golden reed. God is very specific. Now, He didn't destine some to be saved or predestine some to be saved and some to be lost. He gave all mankind choice, free will to choose. But He knows from the beginning that at the end He will have an innumerable company drawn from the whole earth, measured and weighed, there will be, in the aggregate, the perfect number. We see this reference earlier on in the book of Revelation as a hundred and forty and four well, that's by no means intent on telling us that 144,000 people will be in this city. <laughs> Imagine having 144. if you're looking at this thing rationally, okay? if you're looking and measuring these things by human uh, and material circumstances, Look at the idiocy of interpreting things rationally or naturally. So, you have a city, uh, you have a city that is 12,000 furlongs wide, long, and high. 12,000 furlongs if, again, the measurement is meant to be uh, mathematically deconstructed and compared to actual distances. It is not to be, but if it, if you, we're, just, we're just speaking here as fools. I want to show you a folly of doing, th- doing this rationally. So you've got thir- uh, 12,000 furlongs, would measure out at 1,380 miles. That would be further than the distance from Dallas-Fort Worth and I'm picking cities that many people would be familiar with, it'd be further than the distance from Dallas-Fort Worth to Atlanta, Georgia. it'd be that long, it'd be that wide so it'd reach way up to New York uh, in terms of its width, but then the thing is, it'd be that high and give you perspective. When you fly in an airplane at 35,000 feet, you're more or less flying at, uh, at the height of 8 miles, this isn't eight miles. This is 1,380 miles high. And here's the thing: and you've got 144,000 people, 144,000 people living in that monolith. I'll give you an example. In the city of Atlanta, there are what six million people, and that's just in one spot. Versus a distance from Dallas to Atlanta, past New York, and then high. You couldn't hardly find tw- the you couldn't hardly find the hundred and forty-four thousand people in that kind of uh, area, and that's the point. That's the point. And yet entire, entire denominations are structured on these things. Jehovah's Witnesses, 144,000 people in this great city, I don't think they stop to calculate <laughs> the size of this city. But if you're going to take it literally, that's the kind of foolish, abysmally stupid ideas that you come up with. No, it's not that, it's this. He's talking about the domain and dominion that He promised us, that the righteous rule of God would have produced these results that are not physical, they're spiritual. And the difference between the spiritual and the physical is obvious. Unless the revelation comes as to what we're talking about, If you try to figure these things by natural reckonings, I just wanted to show you how stupid that outcome is. It's as stupid as 88 reasons why Jesus should have come in 1988, and some of you have forgotten now. But that's what happens when, when unspiritual minds calculate by natural things First they reduce spiritual things to natural conce- conceits and then calculate on the basis of those things. You would have a lot of space to be filled in a city 1380 miles long, wide and high, that, whose inhabitants number 144,000. Now if that doesn't give you pause, I don't know what will. I simply want to show you how shockingly ignorant people are when they adopt in natural understanding and apply natural calculus to spiritual things. Twelve is the number of government, twelve is also the number of the completion of rule, in short, what is left in creation in the new heavens and the new earth, what is left is only that which is subject to the absolute rule of God and Christ. And that rule is about the influence and power that sustains whatever else God is about to do in and through a people gathered from all creation who were first a natural people, who then became a spiritual entity known as the body of Christ, who then become the dwelling place of God in which there is no evil There are many things about this God hasn't told us, such as, why does He consent to dwell in us and with us in that way? We know certain aspects of it because it's the nature of God to love and He sets up a harvest That he subsequently gathers. And the point and purpose of the harvest is to demonstrate the humility of dwelling within that which and becoming, I use the word limited, but he's not limited because the form is limitless in terms of its competence, capabilities, and all of the rest of it to entertain how God will act and how God will choose to be identified in the coming ages. But at the end of the book of Revelation He's showing us something of the glory of this final product. Now then, that's what the foundations are about. But then He talks about more of the foundation. He begins by saying the construction of its wall was of jasper and the city was pure gold like clear glass. So the wall has twelve foundations but it's constructed of jasper and the city that it encircles was pure gold like clear glass. Again, if this is a reference to a people, and it is, what is meant by pure gold? Well gold is the most precious commodity that humans know of. So it's how the result of the righteous is defined, the joy of the whole earth, the most valuable thing in the whole earth. And then, clear, a wall of jasper, pure gold, clear like glass, what does that mean? It means there's no darkness in it. It means that the glory of God shines forth without any obstruction, that is why it is suitable to accommodate the presence of God. There is no darkness in God, there is no, nothing that is opaque and there is no darkness in the people of God. He may dwell as He is, without obstruction, without occlusion or obscurity, He may dwell as He is. And this is an eternal thing that may well contain anything and everything that God wishes to preserve out of creation that is now consistent with eternal values and not limited by natural material objects or values. It is somewhat like, if you would permit me to use this analogy, and I admit to the limitations of it before I even use it, it's like the box of alabaster which was a semi-precious stone that contained the ointment of spikenard, precious ointment and the analogy was how this woman who broke open the box and poured the content over the feet of Jesus, how Jesus praised this action by saying, wherever the gospel is preached, this this will be an emblem, this will be emblematic of the gospel. And what He was saying is, In this human form there is contained the precious gesture of love for Christ that she would pour out all of her life savings in the form of this purchase of spikenard And pour it out on Jesus in preparation, in preparing him for burial, he said. Spikenard itself had an aroma that would induce tranquility, peace, and a sense of well being when released into the air. He's saying, whenever the selfless, loving act of this vessel is repeated or spoken about in the earth. It will serve to induce even hard-hearted people to be soft enough, to be pliable enough to reach out to God even in the midst of adverse circumstances. It will induce belief in in persons unlikely to believe. So we're looking at the, the, the matter of transparency and how the glory of God shining through human vessels produces an orientation toward God that allows for them to be susceptible to the preaching of the gospel. When in in the new Jerusalem, the assembled saints are presented, this quality of how they lived on the earth defines them. This woman, whose example I I go back was a type and shadow of someone who despite what she did for a living, performed this extraordinary gesture of transparent and apparent love for Christ who had mercy on her. And that's why Jesus associated her and her actions with the essence of what the gospel releases to people and how that essence is released from its containment in human vessels that transparently reveal the glory of God in their daily circumstances. So this is layer upon layer upon layer. Now then, when we, when we come back, I want for us to look at the particular adornments by way of a reference to jewels, the particular adornment of this glorious people. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with jasper, so the wall was made with jasper, the first foundation was also jasper, second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst and in the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each individual gate was one pearl and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. When we come back we'll look at the glory of this adornment and what it means. I'm Sam Solon, continue to study with me. I'll see you then, bye.